Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Huge Ass Paddock Pass. I'm Tom Addison, with me are my co-hosts Andrew Fawcett. Hello. And Alex Cofford. Yo. We're so happy that you've uh, managed to join us here for episode 3 of the podcast. We've really been enjoying it so far, I don't know about you guys, I've, I've been having a blast doing this. Yeah, I can't believe we're 3 into it already. It seems like we just did our first one, so I'm I having mean, fun. Yeah, the the first the first couple were uh, were a little bit sort of rough, but I think we're finding a groove <laughs> now. And uh, I, I, I don't, even if it's just amongst ourselves, I'm enjoying talking about motorsport. Yeah. yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. At exactly. least we're showing up on time ish in starting it. Yeah, <laughs> if, if if anything else could be said, we're at least we're consistent. Exactly. Um, and speaking of consistent, this is going to be a great segue, by the way. Wow, what a segue. Into the lead, Mercedes F1, with another oh, win at Barcelona. Hmm. Speaking of consistency, first ever team to be 1-2 in the first five races of the season. Um, championship is done, no? Yeah, it is. There's, I mean, barring some sort of catastrophic engineering failure from Mercedes, yeah, it, season's over. Construction season is over. Construction season, yeah. 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 Now, is there any chance of a non-Mercedes driver making a challenge for the Drivers' Championship? I don't think so. It's already I, a two-horse race? I, I think that between the Ferrari issues with strategy and not knowing who goes first and team orders and all that nonsense, <laughs> I don't think that they're going to compete. And I, I don't think that Red Bull is... I don't. I don't think that Red Bull's in a place yet to contend for the championship. They might be contending for a podium in the championship, but I don't think that they have the engine pl- package at least for right now. Um, I think it's between Lewis and Valtteri. Yeah, it's forty-six points from Verstappen to Hamilton, and forty-eight points for Vettel. And the other part is if let's pretend Ferrari does get their act together and they're pushing, and Vettel's doing amazing, for example. I think at that point, Mercedes starts to put team orders into play as well. Right. Because even though Hamilton Bottas is really close right now, if they were to favor one over the other, instead of 112 points, we could be closer to 150. And they've shown in the past that they're not afraid to prioritize drivers, especially these two drivers. Hmm. We saw that last year in Russia. I hope they don't. I... I... I love the new the new Valtteri this year. I'm I'm like super happy. Like he the man can eat like, again. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I feel like he's contending. For, he's obviously contending for wins because he's won already, and he's quick and and I wouldn't say he's as fast as Lewis, but I mean I think with some with some luck and some good strategy, and maybe a little help from the team, I think that he can contend for the championship. And I would love to see. Valtteri contend for the championship because I agree. Well, I just don't want to see Lewis win it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, and Mercedes has had perfect reliability or so close to perfect for years and years and years now. Um, that's the last thing that I want to see shape the championship. Uh, you know, I don't want to see Lewis's car catch on fire. Well, I do. Don't get me wrong, because <laughs> screw Mercedes. But I don't want that to be the reason. I don't want an asterisk behind or beside the name of whoever decides or whoever comes out in front for Mercedes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But I think there is a lot of um, anti-Lewis sentiment 
I'm going to say, in the in the Formula 1 world. I'm not sure, quite sure why that. I think it's just a facet of him being so successful and dominant over the last few seasons. Yeah, that's how it is with me. I don't yeah. dislike the guy whatsoever. When I see him in, do public relations stuff, I do enjoy him. It, for me, it's a love to hate, right? I love to root against Lewis Hamilton. If he's racing a pedal bike against, you know, a neighbor, I'm going to be... <laughs> Putting a lot of money on that neighbor kid and being like, "Listen, dude, you got to stomp Lewis Hamilton because we're tired of him winning." Um, yeah, but in the same way that people were tired of Schumacher winning, people were tired of Vettel winning. Yeah, right? sure. It's, 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 it's the nature of, of dominance leads. It's to the same thing the with with like with NASCAR. Like that people were tired of Richard Petty winning, and people were tired of Jimmy Johnson winning. Like once the same guy keeps winning championships, it's cool for the sport and it's cool for like the stats line, and it'll be cool fifty years from now. But, like, for the here and now, you know, watching Lewis win another world championship, it's not the most interesting thing. I think one Sorry, thing that um, I... What's, that, what's NASCAR? Oh, yeah. NASCAR? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Is that relevant anymore? We don't know. Hey, it's what got me into motorsports, so, you know, okay. I would say it's, it's relevant. A, it's a gateway series. <laughs> it's, a gate, it's a gateway drug. Has any driver had consistently good luck with the quality of car that he's been in as Lewis? Yeah. Uh, Schumacher in the early 2000s. I mean, he won 2000. No, I mean, his entire career, you know, has Lewis ever been in a trash vehicle? I mean, and so those, my, those my, McLarens before he went to Mercedes weren't great. The first season, Mercedes wasn't great either. My point yeah. is, is how many drivers that come and go kind of are stuck with that oh man if they had the right chance they had the right chance they could have done this we've talked yeah. about hulkenberg if hulkenberg has had the right chance i think all three of us are in agreement that he's talented enough to make waves in the sport I but agree. lewis is in a situation where he has i don't want to say stolen the spot but you know by him having it it's stealing the opportunity for somebody else to have it almost his whole career but you can't i don't, I don't think you can I'm not the guy for that. I'm not blaming <laughs> no, him no. for it. I'm just he, I'm trying to understand and rationalize why people are kind of just like, ah, screw it, come on, like, get out of the way, Lewis. Let let something else happen. I mean, he's I, he's been groomed by McLaren since yeah. he was eight. I remember in the UK when they used to televise karting on the TV and like Saturday afternoon, or whatever. He was out there as a preteen in a McLaren branded kart, winning races. Like Ron Dennis has had his eye on him. <laughs> from the get-go yeah and like this was his destiny this is the way he was going to be and he's delivered as well like a lot of these yeah. kids get sponsored throughout their earlier careers and they get to the top level and they can't really make it he's delivered consistently ever since his first season of formula one and he has I definitely, yeah i definitely understand I, I understand why people like i don't dislike him i think he's obviously he's very quick but i think that he just his, i know his attitude can be a little off-putting yeah he, he can be he can have a very he's got a and he's social media, like if you go like on his Twitter and stuff, <laughs> you kind of read it. You're kind of like, Lewis, like what are you doing, man? Like that, but like that, yeah, that's. I mean, he has matured. But he's, yes, true, he has matured somewhat. But like, I, I think with, with with me, I I just want to see. The, I think the reason I liked like the Nico Lewis like fight was because there was lots of drama and it was like up in the air and it wasn't sure. It came down to the last race. Like that's what you want, at least for like entertainment's sake. Like that's what you want in a championship. Like you want it to come down to the last lap and Timo Glock is driving slow because it's raining <laughs> and he finishes fifth and it's like this crazy dramatic. Like you don't want it to be like Mexico and you're like, oh, Lewis won the world championship. We've got three races or whatever it is left in the season. You know. No, I agree. Um, 
because it kind of pairs back to this race, right? Everyone already knew that this race was going to be a Lewis Hamilton special and and, a Mercedes special. Um, And it was. I mean, Bottas, by holy cow, his his qualifying was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Great lap. Props to him for that. And I, I do think he's going to put up a good challenge for the rest of this season. But it alludes well, towards we still have the a double couple dominance. Of his tracks coming. There's yeah. still a couple of tracks that he succeeds at, like Austria and, and a few others that he's pretty, pretty quick at, too. So. And so I think people are a little bit just burnt out of the whole Mercedes thing, burnt out of Ferrari, the hype train of Ferrari that, you know, can't leave the station. And, and to be honest... I think a lot of people are just kind of burnt out of the fact that only two manufacturers have a realistic chance to win at 90% of the races. One other team Mm -hmm. has the opportunity at maybe 10% of the races. And then unless you're smoking crack, you're not going to put any money on anyone winning at any race for years. Hey, yep. any given Sunday. <laughs> but it's not anymore. That's the point. It's not any given Sunday anymore. That's the problem. Is that we do have this this race at the top where these manufacturers have invested millions and millions of, of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions. Yeah. Um, developing these high-tech machines that no one else can compete with. And mm-hmm. it it is a technical sport. No one's ever going to be making the argument against that. We shouldn't have a no. spec series. Well, right. So that's the thing, people. I, I, and I know I've in the past I've said, well, we, it should be a spec series, but like, F one's never been, uh, like, it, the the building of the cars is a crucial element of the championship, right? Like, there's a constructors championship. So you can't just like say, all right, we're all like do the indie car thing. Like, here's the chassis, you provide the engine, everyone goes racing. It's like a spec thing. You can't like you can't do that. They can allude so, to it with budget caps, though. Yeah, they could. Maybe not spec in the sense, but if Mercedes is spending fifty million dollars developing a front wing, and you know uh, Renault's spending five million dollars doing the same thing, obviously there's going to be an imbalance there. So budget cap, I'm yeah. not saying it's going to be a spec series, but it's going to give oh, everyone the same playing field. Which I I kind of understand it. I kind of don't because. Guess what? Mercedes, they've said that the advertising of them winning these comes out to be like a billion dollars a year because they get to globally promote the fact that they are the superstar of the pinnacle of motorsport. And And they have been for the last, you know, what, six, seven years? Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the converse to it, right? Why does Mercedes, why should they be punished for doing well? No, at the same time. I mean, Formula One has a history of dominant teams in certain periods of time. If yeah. you look at Ferrari in the early 2000s, if you look at Red Bull in 2010 through 2014, if you look at uh, Lotus back in the 60s, if you look at Ferrari in the mid-70s, there were dominant teams. And there's always been a history of rule balances following those periods of domination to even the key a little bit. I think that's where we're at now with F1. Yeah, I'm hoping the next rules package, and I think it will, but I'm hoping the next rules package simplifies things a little. Um, I'd love to see simpler bodywork, um, have the cars make a little less downforce and a little less hard to follow, that kind of thing, which I think that they've they've alluded at saying that they're going to try to make the cars easier to follow, which is good. I mean, obviously that's what creates good passing and stuff. Right, that's um, what Ross Braun is concentrating on. 
from what yeah. I understand. And a big part of it is the length of the cars, right? The cars they're are so, so long. They're massive. You, they're they're so barges. <laughs> and so to pass them is really difficult. The other part is the the air actually can go off the front wing, vortex, hit the middle of the chassis, and then bounce off of that and hit the rear wing. So they're applying downforce in not just one spot or two spots, but like three or four different spots with the barge boards. And if you just shorten that up, you kind of... I just feel like create a vehicle that's going to be easier to follow, easier to get around, and less of a development where you have to be perfect like Mercedes has been. So if they can do that and reach a shorter car with a little bit less um, of a wake, man, maybe yeah. some cool things can happen. And I'm not saying you have to go like full like Formula E or IndyCar spec where like here's your stupid single plane front wing, here's your double plane rear wing, like that's it. But like I think maybe you can get rid of some of the little fiddly bits and all the crazy turning vanes and the whole wing mirrors that are not really wing mirrors at all and like aren't functional as wing mirrors they're just like these <laughs> elaborate like aero devices and stuff uh, like ricardo proved it that's my job <laughs> <laughs> right like like yeah I, I think that if you if you and i think simplifying the look of the car might make it a little a little bit more approachable for the, like the more casual fan um but yeah i definitely think that the new rule do you guys think to... that the cars right now look good no i don't I've been very no. vocal about that. <laughs> um, um, I don't. I, I think they're a little too long. I think they're a little too. I like the look of the um, the mid two thousands cars the most. They're kind of very curvy and you know. I don't know. Or I, or I, like I the early nineties. Well. <laughs> I also I, like like the early nineties like Senna, Prost, at McLaren right, days like, where they were a lot, lot simpler. Yeah. But now, at this guess, point, anybody can design a car that's aerodynamically better than that. So I don't think that's realistic to ever go back to. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not suggesting that. No. Yeah. Um, but I think the complexity of the modern day aerodynamics is such that it lends itself to a car that, that is very effective, but mm -hmm. doesn't look particularly elegant. And I think no. elegance is a big thing when it comes to popularity amongst the viewing public. People want to yeah. see beautiful things. And yeah. these cars are not beautiful. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, they're not. They're not the prettiest cars, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, and I don't know what you could do to to fix that. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where like the whole Halo thing goes to. Like the Halo kind of is seems to me like it was like a perm like it was a temporary solution. You you can't but you can't take away safety aspects. Oh no no no! I'm not saying <laughs> you take away. A lot of people like complain about the Halo, and like I was one of them complaining about the Halo, but like. Is it attractive? No. Has no. it already proven itself to be a safety device that Absolutely. works? Absolutely. So I'm saying, like, in the future, I think that with the new regs, the because the, the Halo was just, like, kind of plopped on top of the current car. So yeah. I'm thinking with the new regs and whatever they develop, it we might be integrate little, it more. Right. It might be a little more sexy. It might be a little more, I don't know. Because other That's options would be, what, like an enclosure, like a cockpit? or Potentially an enclosed space for the driver. Or even just I a think, windscreen yeah. with an open top. Yep. There's a lot of things that, that go around. I think that you're going to have a hard time convincing F1 purists to get rid of the open cockpit um, aspect of it. But at a certain stage, you might just get to say, we're like, hey, we can't <laughs> viably race these cars at 210 miles an hour down the Baku straight or whatever it is and have an open cockpit 
Um, yeah. But that's a that's a discussion for another day. Is that that's because they still plan on having the manhole covers flying off? Or? <laughs> it doesn't help, does it? It doesn't help no, uh, definitely argue doesn't. the case. No, um, definitely doesn't. So, going back to the Grand Prix... Um, yes, yes, we started with that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're, I don't know, we normally don't get off topic, so that's kind of surprising. Yeah, that, that's the first. <laughs> Never. It, so, yeah, the Grand Prix. Um, Verstappen. What a, look yeah. at him. So, yeah. I'm going to say something quite controversial. Well, actually, it may not be. We'll see. You like Verstappen? Verstappen's been... He's been the best driver this year of the, of the entire field. If you look at his consistency and his speed relative to where his car should be, relative to where his teammate should be, he has been on the absolute top of his game. I'm trying to think be, if I disagree. He shouldn't be beating these Ferraris that regularly. Now, yeah. you can argue Ferraris are not helping their cause. They've been messing but they're not, up with I, I wouldn't say that their strategy is hurting them to the point where they would but not if still Max is Right. If Max is always in the position to take advantage of every little error and flaw... And yep. that's that speaks very well to his ability. You say that over Kimmy? <laughs> I love Kimmy, <laughs> as you know. But yeah. I mean Kimmy's been driving well, he's been driving consistently. But Max is driving at the top level at the moment. If you look at his comparison, Gasly is really highly rated. Let's let's not get that wrong. Like he was very strong in Toro Rosso, he was a star in many races, and he's half a second to a second off Verstappen every single circuit so far. Yeah, and he's still new to the car. I mean, it's what yeah. Boris is in the season. He's still getting acclimated. He's still new. Max, is, Max has been in that car for a couple seasons. So, Which one of you but all, idiots said that um, Gasly was going to beat Verstappen this this last race? Uh, it wasn't me. I said McLaren was going to get a top five. <laughs> no, it was I me. Said I, was was, <laughs> I said McLaren was going to get a top five. Hey, they got top eight when they admitted that they got the setup wrong. So Yeah, um, and eight's close to five. Yeah, I was I was definitely happy I was definitely happy to see Science get his um, continue his streak of scoring points in every home Grand Prix. That was good. He's driving well. Yeah, but I think I, I think the McLaren's shown some like from what they have in the past couple of seasons. I think they they're pretty pretty decent. Um, yeah. Apart from my my buddy Lando <laughs> making some uh, <laughs> some interesting. Gotta passes. leave the space. He's, he's Got been learning from my racing. Yeah, I, that's such a weird incident because, on one hand, I feel like he was alongside through the one corner, and Lance really didn't leave him much space. But on the other hand, according like F one rules, like he wasn't really there at all. And I so I, I I I went back and forth on this on this incident, having looked at it a couple of times. He absolutely had a right to go for the overtake to the outside to turn one. Yeah. At the time, he wasn't really alongside through the second phase. He could have backed out there. Yeah. Now, Stroll could have left him more space. Yeah. As, as you well you know, I'm not a great fan of Lance Stroll. Um, but in this instance, he could have... You know, he had every right to take that apex. Yeah. Lando could have backed out. It was Lando's yeah. choice to leave his nose in there. And if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That's what happened. I fully agree with that. Because you're passing... I, I, I would say pretty fairly that he's regarded as the worst driver in F1. Wow. Lance? Yeah. Uh, I think you give Joe Venazzi some time. He'll, uh, <laughs> he, can, he can prove his mediocrity. <laughs> he'll he'll uh, provide some compelling evidence. <laughs> Point being, it, it's like... Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. It's like, but he, would you pass Romain around the outside on lap one? 
Probably not. Why? Because Romaine will probably just take you to Poundtown into the wall, and it's like well, Roman and uh, and <laughs> Barcelona are you know. Eh. He hasn't had the best record. That he hasn't had the best record. Yeah, so it's like if you're gonna pass stroll, it's like i racing. You know, there's certain people when you pass, you make sure to give them extra space because yeah. you know they don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they're doing. Jesus has the wheel at that point. And if I'm passing well, stroll, I'm gonna make sure that there's plenty of room. Frankly, Lando, if he if I, I think maybe it's because he's a little young, but I think Lando, if he was a little more patient, I think the McLaren has more than enough pace to pass him on DRS and get by cleanly before the brakes. So I think it was a little bit too ambitious of him to try to like pass around the outside of turn one, hoping to get the apex of turn two, you know. But like the, the Haases, they did it like what four or five times it seemed like, and they didn't completely wreck each other like just, just trying to but like <laughs> but like you know what i mean like they were trying the same type type of move and they didn't crash each other so but and maybe it's because they're teammates but I, I don't know but i don't well, think it's that <laughs> no i don't think it's that either but it, I, I i like those types of moves i think it's like a very ambitious move but i also think it was rather stupid and patient um even though i don't i'm not like lando's biggest fan I can appreciate what he was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, let's be honest. It livened up a boring race. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, other than that and the two Haases, it was really boring. So at least there was, was, like, awful. some sort of, like, interesting... Right. That, something for us know, to talk about. <laughs> right. Something that was, like, not a snooze fest. Um, and I'd rather was... someone go for the chance rather than sit yeah. behind yeah. and wait for yeah. the opportunity that never happens. 100%. Well, and, and it wasn't, I mean, the DRS pass is way easier, but it, it's not nearly as interesting to watch a guy just go by at, like, 10 mile an hour faster, and then just, like, it It almost, like, every time the, there's, like, a DRS pass in, like, the mid-pack, it looks like the driver being overtaken is just, like, pulling over to, like, so, let the other car through. It's kind of, yeah, and it's this, not this, super interesting. This takes me on to a point I wanted to bring up for this episode which is regarding circuit design and old venues and new venues. Mm -hmm. So you look at Barcelona, that has been redeveloped fairly recently, right? This is uh, how long they've been running this current config, like the last five years or so? It's been a couple of years, yeah. It's been a few years, with the chicane before the final yeah, corner. The chicane is definitely something new. Which, and, and the purpose of that is to give an acceleration zone leading onto the main straight to facilitate passing. Mm -hmm. Um... Which is a very artificial concept, if you think about it. It's it's a modification made to existing track to facilitate a rule set to encourage artificial passing. Is that the sort of venue we want the Pinnacle of Motorsport to be running at? Mm, no. Okay, that's a no, I, that's a no I, from Fawcett. <laughs> I like I like Catalonia. I've like raced it in some sims, and I think it's it's a fun track. But I, I don't think that trying to artificially create passing zones like that is I don't it's think just it's a, a difficult thing. track to pass at because pretty much all racetracks nowadays and because they're tilt drums right or even the ones that aren't it's common knowledge that you create a very slow zone into a high speed zone the slow zone is there so that you're not relying on downforce you can get right up on somebody and then you have extra room to take care and make the pass and I'm not talking about sure. just Formula One. In general, that's a great design to create a lot of passes. 
you look at a lot of the newer circuits, whether it's the even from the Nurburgring GP Circuit of the Americas, stuff like that, they have a lot of these very slow corners leading into very long straightaways because it works. At the at the end of the day, high speed corners are really hard to pass at and they're really dangerous. And most people don't really care about Formula One being dangerous, but when you're driving your Porsche GT4 that you just bought and you're going in a high-speed corner too wide, that's when danger becomes a focal point. But yeah. shouldn't, motors, shouldn't motorsport be dangerous? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> I, I And, and I, I, I go back and forth on this, but I think that, one, you can't get rid of all of the danger in motorsport, but I think that, yeah, I mean, I think there should be some risk. I think there should be some danger. I think there should, like, you know, I'm thinking of... And, and I, I still flip-flop on this, but last year at Le Mans, they modified the walls and the Porsche curves so that one of the there was a big runoff, basically. So if you get it wrong, instead of hitting a concrete wall, there's you know a huge runoff that you can just cut across with this high-grip surface to slow the cars down. So on the one hand, I'm thinking it takes all of the risk out of the Porsche curves where, where drivers really put it out on the line. But on the other hand, there was a couple of drivers over the course of the 24 hours that went straight across that runoff and ended up in the gravel across the track. And it might have been a very, very bad accident otherwise, but it was a lot less severe. So I I think I still think there should be some risk. And, and yeah, that's what I'm worried. I, that's what I'm worried about the whole Zanvoort. Um, right thing because i know so, they're yeah. going to modify let's, the track so let's talk I about know. that we uh, right. we heard uh, a couple of days ago that zandvoort has been confirmed 2020 this is a track that was on the calendar back in the uh when was the last race there 83 84 maybe maybe sure 80, 85 i think prost one or louder sounds, one in a mclaren yeah that sounds right I'm, I'm dragging that up from my from my f1 trivia <laughs> knowledge um anyway zandvoort by the sea in, in Holland, um, clearly being brought back as, as a uh, testament to the legions of orange fans that Max Verstappen has brought back to Formula <laughs> One. Which is but awesome, though. I mean, that's it's awesome. No, it it's is. great. It is awesome. Such a good thing um, for a driver to come up from a place that isn't already supported and be able to drag, you know, it really, that GP would not be there without him. Yeah. I agree. Um, but the circuit itself is narrow. It's surrounded by sand dunes and questionable runoff areas mm-hmm. and it hasn't hosted a top flight you know international motorsport series since formula one in the 80s and He's i'll be ho- honest like i love zanvoort i think it's a great track to race on but i'm not sure it lends itself to formula one modern S- formula so one. so to that to that point you know will there be a modernization of the circuit there has to be right right i mean there, there already has to manifest. be a modernization of the facilities because Formula One has to have yes. garages and blah blah blah, and I'm not going to get into all that. But how how much money does that take? Is that a hundred million dollar project just to bring Zandvoort to acceptable? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about the whole first sector and the last sector. There's those big gravel beaches, and I know that in a lot of cases they get rid of gravel for pavement because pavement slows cars better doesn't roll them as much all that sort of thing 
Um, Don't get stuck so I'm just in kind of, in your race. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my main concern with it is that they're going to take out, like I said, like some of the risk and some of the character of the circuit um, in favor of catering to the the Formula One cars. Uh, I'm I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. That's to say the least. It'll be interesting. It's a very narrow track too. Um, it's not exactly like that's very wide. that's so. what I think with these long cars going around that track what what's going to happen there's no passing that's going to ha- happen it's all going to be undercuts and overcuts yeah and drs yeah too little yeah. Too, it too just little feels bit. i mean it's always felt claustrophobic to me no matter what car like racing the mazda there and i racing it still feels a little claustrophobic so i'm just trying to imagine going a lot faster <laughs> and it's right it's hard to imagine so I think I think we'll remain skeptical until we see the the, the changes that they're planning for this for this circuit. But it, it's going to be a shame to have a historic venue modernized and lose a bit of its soul to cater for the demands of the Formula One circuit. Well, then screw it. Let's just put them in seventy Formula One cars and not modernize <laughs> anything and give them like uh, open face helmets. Don't put fire extinguishers anywhere near and just say, you know what? Let's have at it, boys. Let's make it. you. Let's make you the gladiators you once were. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean that, that that I mean this 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 brings me to a follow on point in that there's this now this this conflict on the Formula One calendar where you have the old historic European venues that have been on the calendar for for decades. You're looking at Spa, Monaco, Monza, Vanport now coming back. Oh, Imola's not on the schedule. Imola was now not. It was. Um, Silverstone. I mean, that's yep. been modernized hugely over the years, but it's still the same venue. Versus the global um, expansion of Formula One to, to be a, a true international brand to the modern day China's, Singapore's, Malaysia's, India's. Austin. These tracks are Austin. These some of these tracks are not the calendar anymore, but they were tailor-made facilities for Formula One exclusively. Mm-hmm. Is this the direction that Formula One should be going in? I don't versus, think so. Okay, why not? I I I think that there's something to be said about going to historic tracks and going to tracks with character that have interesting features, and I in general the modern f1 tracks that have been built recently they are for one they're on, they're designed only for formula one which i don't think is good for the individual track itself um i don't think it, yep. it it doesn't make it good for other series to go there like coda is used for other series but i would argue that it's not very interesting to watch them it's, it's never race great around racing there is yeah it? no. it's not interesting to watch them race around there Whereas you go to... I thought the IndyCar race there was fantastic. And I've heard that the uh, WEC GT that goes there, that's like the pinnacle of their uh, season for... Not WEC, uh, (laughs) Long Pain America. Yeah. Well, the thing about... well, Okay, well, IndyCar was totally ignoring a lot of the... Uh, track limits. So do you? So is that even the same track that, <laughs> that Formula One races on? Plus, I mean, IndyCar has it has its own you know caution yeah. system and yeah, it yeah. it was an artificial race in its own way in that respect. Uh, no, I think there's so a I, balance. I, you have the older tracks, and uh, I'm not saying that they're ran right now, but Brands Hatch and Olden Park and stuff like that, where you you race it in a simulator 
and kind of what you're alluding to or to what you said towards Zanvort, it was too small with a car that wasn't that fast. Yeah. And the the sport's just outgrown it. Speed wise, yeah. the sport has outgrown a lot of these tracks. You know, Monaco is only Monaco because it's the home of the richest people on earth. Yeah. There's no and, and it's if, always been there. And right. And if you look there. at if you look at Monaco races like objectively, they're typically not very interesting. I love qualifying in Monaco. That's one of my favorite times of the year. Oh yeah. But I, I really have zero interest in watching the race. Uh, because it's all a strategy because it's so difficult to overtake. Yeah, if I see that there's not gonna be rain on the schedule, I'm like, all right, well I guess I'll you know, just <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But I feel but, uh, like there's a balance because some of the older yeah. ones like Spa, you know, look at Spa. That's, I feel like, got to be the one of the top five of all time of any type of form of auto racing, right? Yeah. Yep. Spa to me is like the perfect F1 track. It's got tight technical bits. It's got very high speed corners. It's got, it's, it has it all. It's wide enough. I feel like it lends itself to a lot of good passing, a lot of interesting and things is, is that is things that you can do with this yeah it's been in, it's been intelligently modified to match the progression of the cars over the years hell i'd like it if they go back to that 12 mile loop that they used to do when they went through the <laughs> farm through lanes. the master king and through <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hill. yeah uh no of danger <laughs> yeah exactly i i think that maybe spa just kind of i think the, i think maybe it's just like chance that the original track lended itself to modifications that were suitable for modern F1 cars. Um, but also, I mean, Silverstone's done that. Monza's done yeah. that. Yeah. I did it's see not. an interview that Herman Tilke did where he talked about the rolling hills of uh, Spa being considered the pinnacle of all forms of motor racing. Everyone wants elevation change over differently designed corners. And he said the number one reason that the new venues don't have that is because you can't afford that much land. You yeah. you look at the yeah. footprint of Spa, it is it's massive. Huge. Yeah, it is really it's very large. And you look That's at very good all of these tracks that are built now, you look at Circuit of the Americas, an overhead map of it, it is built yeah. to expand every millimeter of that land that they own it's packed in there yeah and have you guys seen the um, mock-ups of the rio de janeiro um gp have you guys heard about that Mm-mm. yeah okay so catching faucet up really quick there was a i guess herman tilk <laughs> attention forces yeah i'm listening herman tilk and um, so liberty and some other people you know affiliated sent some emails to a developer i think he's american i think the conglomerate's american but it would take over a rundown park in rio de janeiro and they did some mock-ups and stuff like that and it would potentially replace interlagos which you know i don't think it's gonna happen but whatever i did see interlagos was potentially going away which i think is a huge mistake but yeah there, there, there was a new story on that recently where bolsonaro the new brazilian president was dismissive of Sao Paulo saying that it was a massive waste of money because the Brazilian government the local municipality uh, basically subsidize it whereas Rio would be a private equity enterprise yeah and so obviously and, it was and attractive so, to that sort of but government. that would that would be the same issue there's only so much land right with yeah. globalization and stuff unless we go out to the middle of nowhere which wouldn't be suitable for F1 to get to and have the paddock and have people come yeah. and actually make money you can't have a spa anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's and true. If, yeah, and I think as well, if you look at these newer venues, 
um, attendance is not that great at the races from what yeah. I've seen like there are empty grandstands there are not that many fans traveling to these destinations to watch the race or I think that could be said about motorsport in general. I think that can be said about sport in general yeah no that's yeah I think it's a good point I think okay that's general, very meta that's so meta <laughs> but no I agree with, I agree with you that that the attendance in general and at Formula One specifically is whether you're dropping, it seems like. a fan of soccer or basketball or Formula One or anywhere in between, there's a point where you realize that you can get a better viewing experience without leaving your own home. Maybe not in Formula One's case because Formula One TV sucks. It is, man, they're having some major issues with that. But everything but else, even the even the yeah. even the the standard coverage at the moment. You get to see all the track. You see the action. You can yeah. and don't get sunburned. You can what? You can order food for how much? And how much is a hotel? And how much is yeah. everything in between? You're talking maybe thousands of dollars for a trip versus staying at your house and like, ah, oh, no, I'm just gonna stay here and watch it on TV, cook dinner for my I mean, friends, and it's fifty bucks. You definitely. I mean, you're definitely onto something because like, like I went to the Sebring. Um, race this year the IMSA round with the WEC and I had a great time but like despite having a scanner and my phone and all that stuff it is really hard to follow a race when you're there because it's it's just you're there to experience the cars you're there to see the sights and all that stuff but it is uh, from a like a viewing standpoint it would be way easier to stay home make you know food here sit and watch it on tv have everything fed to me is and with the way you know technology is and the way that people want their entertainment delivered to them it makes sense that people are less likely to go to the track right um and that's just the nature of increasing ticket prices increasing demand yeah. and the fact that this doesn't the sport itself doesn't really lend itself to an in-person viewing Mm-mm. You can't see the whole track. You can't get the sense of the, the story yeah. of the race. Um, maybe this is the future of Formula One. It's it's purpose built tracks far away from anywhere, where are just broadcast, no in person crowds, robots driving the cars, no. and, <laughs> and we all go home to the pub. The oil rich despots won't let that happen. You know they want to see it. Baku's not going anywhere. He's going to write a check with like however many zeros need to be there. Right. I do like street circuits. I think they are interesting. You are the scourge of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Everything yeah, that is I... wrong with the downfall of the globe is attributed to street circuits. <laughs> it's all forces' faults. This is what Although, okay, so I like street circuits, but I guess I should say, like, I like street circuits to a point. Like, I the the modern Tilki esque, you know, designed ones like Baku and the one that they're going to do in South Korea, maybe not so much. Um, you mean Vietnam? Vietnam. Vietnam. Sorry, Vietnam. I knew it was an Asian country. Um, that's racist. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but still, like those, I'm not a huge fan of those. But like, I think Singapore typically is an interesting race every year. Um, and I know that there's interesting races at like Long Beach, and and there are other street circuits that are not crappy like Baku is. But um, right. And and from a uh, you know, tourism and all that standpoint, having a street circuit is great because it's like right in the middle of town. There's, you know, lots of stuff going on. It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I like street circuits. That could be a thing. Okay. Maybe that's the future instead then. 
It's called bring bring the sport to the people. It's called Formula E. No, bad. That's the future, boys. That's, that that's another that's another topic for another episode. But I have some a lot of thoughts about Formula E and how it's not the future. The best thing ever. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> um. So, um, moving swiftly on to our to our interview topic of the podcast, and related to the bringing in of new um, fans to the sport. I, you guys also the Netflix series, right? Of course. Yes. I thought it was excellent. Oh, that's fantastic. I was um, so surprised at how good of a job that they did for a Netflix special, talking about following storylines, uh, building kind of drama, the editing. I was really amazed with how good it was. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it was a top-notch series, and what was particularly interesting to me was how it was structured and narrated in a way to almost put the racing aside. Yeah, it it didn't matter what was happening on track in as much as we really saw who who won the race. It left out but Mercedes we, and yeah, Ferrari. Yeah, it was all Mercedes. Right, like, Ferrari were a, a footnote at best. But it right. humanized. It, but it, it was really brought out I think that that's, emotion. That's what's bringing bringing a, a new fan base to the sport. So to that point, we're going to welcome two guests to our booth right now. It's the best. Um, <laughs> we have my wife, Sasha Arroyo, and uh, JP. JP is a member of our team based out of Texas. Um, his fiance Christine Dirk, will also be joining us. Welcome. I thought you were going to introduce me as Christine X, which I actually like a little bit better. <laughs> I, I was tentative about that. I was initially going to introduce you as Christine Patrick. <laughs> Um, which I think <laughs> would, would have angered you, uh, which we didn't want to do. Oh, no, that's hard to do. <laughs> not yet, not yet. We'll wait for later. Not yet. Um, but we're she's, very she's, safe. she's a podcast expert. She's, like, more experienced than we are. Right. Yeah, how about that? Um, so I'm, I'm going to relinquish my seat now to bring in my wife as well, um, who's going to talk to Christine, mainly, um, about how they experience the Netflix podcast. Uh, so that's goodbye from me. Hello to Zasha. Netflix podcast. He meant Netflix special, Netflix series, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And it was Netflix experienced podcast. from the comfort of my couch. There you go. See, it's yeah. bringing all sorts of people together. Yeah. Hi. 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 <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm caught up. So both of you guys have so watched professional. the entirety of the series. <laughs> oh. Have, Sorry, you, have you guys watched the entirety of the series? Yes. Yes, I have. And would you say, let's take the sport out of it. Did you guys like the way that the show was told with storytelling, with the editing and all of that? Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like the way that they broke it up into like individual stories. Um, so you kind of were looking at it from a lot of different angles. Yeah, I thought they did a good job of kind of showing one narrative and then kind of choosing the other side and having a counterpoint to it. So um, did you guys know any of the drivers? How much did you know about Formula One going into the series that you watched? Sasha, you go uh, first. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't know very much. Uh, I've heard Tom sort of shout out names. But it was interesting because I remember hearing the name Hamilton and Vettel, and they weren't in the series. 
Uh, because I apparently they brace for the winning team. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, so yeah, it was interesting that they weren't in it because it, you got to see like the underdogs, kind of. Even yeah. if you can even call I them that. Kinda, I was kind of glad they weren't in it, to be honest. I mean, I feel yeah. bad about this, but I I do have a little bit of history with Formula One, and as far as I'm concerned, like I've seen enough of Hamilton for quite some time. Um, that's just how I feel about it. I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> like I couldn't place him. So. Looks like a typical yeah. British guy. Okay. Yeah. That's not true at all, but okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, he's pretty unique looking and very fashionable. Did y'all see his look at the Met Gala? Yes. He was at the Met Gala? Heck yeah, he was for like the second year or multiple years in a row. But, um, yeah, he's very, kind of a diva. So he's a douchebag. <laughs> no, he's not. Yes, he okay. is. Okay. okay. <laughs> there were plenty of douchebags in the show. Yeah. <laughs> when I was like, okay, I liked the drama aspect. It was, like, very much a drama series that happened to have racing in it. Yeah, they I are all kind of dramatic anyway. Yeah, they are. It was good. I mean, I, I did like that. Um, they kind of capitalize on that. I mean, they have to a bit, you know, I think to make Formula One um, something that everybody wants to to watch, you know, to make it interesting for everybody. They um, kind of have to delve into the human aspect of of the sport. And yeah. You know, just really that was show one you of the, the points. And everything. Yeah, that's one of the things that I actually liked. It was like it was super humanizing because to me, I see it, you know, as passing by while Tom's watching, and I just see cars going around, and I don't care. I don't yeah. want to watch cars going around. That's yeah. a shame. And I, I guess, uh, I started caring a lot when Daniel Ricardo showed up because I had a crush on him. Oh. Yes, he was my favorite <laughs> on the show. He doesn't have He's a crush so handsome. Uh, no, nobody. No, uh, no one can look at him and not fall in love with that smile. He's but, super handsome. Plus, he's also super nice. Se- yeah. Like, he seems nice. Yeah, I've yeah. had a picture taken with him, and he was super nice to me. And it was great. And, uh, yeah, I liked getting to see a lot of him. It was funny, I think he's one of the more personable drivers out of all of them, so I think that's why they focused on him a lot. But Yeah. Plus he had a good twist at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's disappointing. Uh, yeah, isn't it's he's not doing well this season, I'm assuming. No, and I don't know why he couldn't tell that that would be the case, but that's just my opinion. I Maybe like he could, that he yeah. went with his gut then. I don't know. Or like with his heart. Is that <laughs> what it seemed like? <laughs> like I'm going to leave these assholes behind and I'm going to do my own thing. Even yeah, if it sucks. Yeah, for- that was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. Well, he was in that. He was His storyline was the one that they were focusing on the other driver and kind of leaving him behind, right? That was his Mac. Well, oh, Mac. His name is. Max. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, yeah. I could hear Tom laughing in the background. You could hear his laugh. Like, like snorting in the background. Yeah, you uh, know, me. Mac. Mac. Max. 
Yeah, so he, it, that was his storyline, right? Mac it's like, the knife for Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like this ass who like got on my nerves, and then I was like, yeah, if they're gonna. I love Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, oh, I love wow. him. I, he is he is kind of an ass. He's totally an ass, and he, he he's got balls though. Like he's one of the drivers who's out there, kind of making dick moves that pay off, and uh, he's fun to watch. So it seems to me like people who watch Formula One have to kind of be okay with rooting for asses. <laughs> like, like you want to praise these like alpha males who like just do kind of not so nice things because it'll win them stuff. Yes. And okay, make them yeah. lots and lots of money. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got it. Most of the drivers are entitled their entire life, so I would say the Danny right. Ricardos are the exception. They're not the norm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's sort of what I got. Like, there were some teams that had people who were just I guess it would have been Max who was like from the beginning he was like their choice so they're gonna keep going for it and like he's never not been entitled like some of what was that team that had the guy who like whose dad bought him a team essentially oh yeah that's gross (laughs) Lance Lance Stroll Stroll. right (laughs) but also he's kind of like the butt of everybody's joke you know so there's kind of a price you pay I think in the sport for being the guy whose dad bought you a place on the team so at least there's that he still gets one of like how many spots are there oh yeah not very Uh many Mm -hmm. so he can be the butt of your joke but he's still getting money and yeah yeah and taking someone's seat yeah i don't know (laughs) i guess that's what it's (laughs) to me that was like one of the things that i kept going back like oh i love these stories i like the drama i like what's happening and like the storytelling but also i don't want to root for like jerks or like people who are entitled i want to root for the ricardos or like that's it the people who had to work for it yeah yeah well that's definitely why i mean dan and ricardo's so popular um for that reason i think and there are other drivers too who aren't just um complete assholes (laughs) that's good to hear yeah yeah there were some that i liked from the the show and i was really excited in this series to learn more about Charles Leclerc because I didn't really know that much about him and I after learning about it in the series I was like oh I should know more about him because he's had a really interesting career and now he's got this incredible opportunity um, and he's doing something with it so far watching this season he's been you know comparatively kicking ass and it's pretty exciting is that the guy whose dad was like a mechanic or is that somebody completely different? Um, I don't remember. I, d- I remember just like this one guy who came from like a working class family and he was like definitely yeah. working hard. No, I don't think that was him. I don't know who you're talking about. Then. <laughs> so you talked about really, he's the really young guy who got signed to Ferrari at the end. Charles Leclerc. Mm, yeah. Wait, so he didn't, he, but he's not racing currently, right? He is. Mm-hmm. Oh, then I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> he wasn't last <laughs> season when this was taped, right? It was just last season? 
Or was it the one before? Yes. But it was is, the past season. But he's racing this season. Okay. Yeah. So now that you've talked about it humanizes and creates more emotion, does that make it easier to follow the actual race? I haven't watched any races this season. <laughs> but maybe? <laughs> or at least... I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I think it adds some interest, you know, which is what I'm sure that they were hoping for. Um, anyone who's watched it. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is that it's actually reaching people who don't normally watch Formula One. One of my coworkers said that she went to her friend's house and they had an episode on and she watched it. And she was describing a really handsome man. And I was like, oh, Fernando Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like reaching a lot of people who don't don't normally watch it, but then they're interested. Like it got her into a whole conversation about it. Um, and, you know, it definitely for me watching the races this season, like I have more of a background on what's happening with everyone. And so it does make what's happening on the track seem more interesting because you have a better idea of the dynamic between everybody. And moving forward, does that appeal? Do you think that appeals to women in general, just being more emotional and more human, or not really because at the end of the day it's still just racing cars? You know, I think that's kind of a sexist question. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of felt like that, but then I was like, maybe I won't and I don't say think this. Yeah, and I don't think it's intentionally so. Uh, but I do yeah. think that... Um, at the end of the day, it's super majority dominated by male viewers male totally. drivers male mechanics male whatever yeah. so it is a sexual question be based off of the fact that it is very lopsided um yeah i completely agree and you know one of the things i i think about with that though is that in terms of the history of racing women were never invited in right it was always the men's club um from the very beginning so you know every now and then a woman tries to break in and it's still really difficult because it's a man's world. And mm -hmm. so how do they market that to, to everybody? You know, how do you market that man's world to women? And There's a whole um, race series now dedicated to women drivers. Yes. Yeah, Tom was Thank you for throwing this. us a bone. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, I guess I just feel like, uh, you know, without inherently thinking about making something more human, um, and therefore more appealing to women. I, I do think that it's appealing to everybody then, you know, even men who don't watch racing or aren't into cars, like it just kind of gives you uh, a feel for who they are as people. And that just makes anything more interesting right off the bat. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's the way to go, you know, to just open it up to everybody and create more interest in general. Yeah, also I think like you guys already kind of know the drama just because you're you're already like reading about it and everything and I mean I'm married to Tom and he likes drama more than I do. <laughs> That's <laughs> he likes gossip more than I do. I can definitely see how that's the case. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. I guess <laughs> speaking of drama, one of the guys that sort of stood out in the series was one of the managers, I think his name is Steiner. 
Gunther Steiner. Yeah, <laughs> who's like the one who's like kind of bad mouthing his own team member who's like, oh, he wasn't invited or I won't let him eat or something. Yeah. Wait, I think I have the correct quote. Maybe he's not here because he doesn't have any points or I didn't invite him because he doesn't deserve any food. Yeah, he (laughs) did say that. (laughs) About Groshan. So rude. (laughs) Yeah. It was very much like mean girl drama at the lunch table in high school. (laughs) But, uh, like, on a very expensive stage. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's hilarious. Well, guys, uh, it's been great having you on. I appreciate both of you guys taking the time out of your days to come out here and talk with us. It's been it's been pretty funny, but um, it's been very entertaining. <laughs> it really has. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. On. No problem. Do you guys have thank any more last thoughts back. about um, just the series or Netflix or? Um. Well, I think I read that it's they're filming for season two, so. That'll be interesting to see, and that maybe the other two teams are being included. So I think that'll be interesting to look forward to, and I will definitely watch. Yeah, that is interesting. I'll definitely watch it, too. Um, No, I just really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend it to anybody, you know, whether or not they've watched Formula One. um, I think it's appealing. And, yeah. I agree. We'll have to have you guys back on once uh, season two is up and everyone's watched it because uh, I thought you guys brought up some great points. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank cool. You. Glad you guys had me back after last time. <laughs> I think you're the highlight of the the New York based podcasting area. So we would love to have you anytime that you would like to be on. <laughs> thank you. I actually had some friends listen to the podcast just to listen to me on it. So There we go. Yeah, there you go. Who <laughs> don't we're care doing, about cars. We're doing the same thing that Formula 1 is doing with our podcast. It's brilliant. There you go. <laughs> There's right. nothing wrong with self-promotion. There you go. No. Well, thank you guys. Nice to meet you, Christine. You too. Uh, we're gonna spend some time talking about Harry Potter at some point. This conversation oh, yes, wait. did not devolve I forgot. into that, but it will eventually. I need to ask you what house you're in. I forgot. Oh, Gryffindor, no matter what I do. Like okay. any quiz I take, that's what it comes out of. Okay, I'm in Ravenclaw. Nice that's to meet it. you. We're friends you now. Too. Okay. This is relevant right, podcast bye. information. It's relevant it is. life information. Trust me. <laughs> it is. All right, bye. Bye, guys. Bye. <clears throat> well, that was great. So, Fawcett, what uh, what house are you? Uh, I don't know. You're a Hufflepuff, Fawcett. Oh, actually, I think I... You know what? I Actually, I think I am. I think you're right. What, are you, you what are, about you, Tom? Me. I've been told that I'm a Slytherin. What about me? I can see it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, though. I'm going to plead ignorance. <laughs> it means you're evil. I, I don't watch That's enough. why you root for Ferrari. <laughs> so we're listening to the <laughs> Harry Potter pod- Paddock yeah, Pass. Yeah, welcome to Harry Potter Paddock, pa- paddock Pass. Um, today's episode... <laughs> Um, team anyway, orders between Ron and Harry. What do you think? <laughs> I, th- I think I think Ron got shafted, frankly. <laughs> oh dear. 
Um, Always favoring the specky one. Yeah. Hey, there's no Netflix series talking about Harry Potter, right? <laughs> exactly. Actually, there probably is. No, I have yes. no idea. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but they, they were good value, from what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, they I were good. We should, it's I, good we to should, have... We should uh, have them on every week. Yeah. They, we should definitely have them back, because I think they provided a unique uh, perspective. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so we're, we're rapidly... Uh, approaching the end of the podcast uh let's wrap it up by uh giving you a little bit of news from the huge ass racing team that's who we are that's what we do that's why we're bringing you this podcast um so last weekend there was the nurburgring 24 hours on iRacing so this is one of these special events that iRacing puts on every so often throughout the year where it's a endurance race for teams to compete in and we entered a couple of cars and why don't you tell us how we got on Fawcett? Um, our we had two entries. We had a Mercedes AMG GT3 that was retired um, a good bit into the race. They had some difficulties with some Armco, um, and we yeah, had, let, let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of it to hit. I know because I hit some in our Mazda entry. Um, we ended up finishing first in our split in the Mazda hey. class, which is our second 24-hour win of the. Uh, 2019, which is exciting. Um, it's very exciting to get the win, and I'll be frankly honest with you, it was not very interesting. <laughs> um, we wa- <laughs> Don't oversell it, we, will you? Well, I mean, it was still the Nürburgring 24, it was still difficult, but we won by a, a very large margin. There was very few cars in our class still running at the end, you know, that kind of thing. That's, but, that's, but to, that's the name of the game yeah, in endurance racing, isn't it? It's the name of the game, especially at the ring, and like, even after a lot of the other cars had bowed out in our class we were still pushing because the chances of getting hit by another faster class is very high <laughs> um, <laughs> so but yeah it, it's exciting we won third split i think or second split second split that's not bad and uh yeah second win of the season for a special event third po- third podium so that's pretty exciting and um i'm gonna be honest i didn't have a lot of faith in the team <laughs> but in, wow. in our hearing in, about in our particular <laughs> in our particular crew, um, you know, and I crashed the car pretty heavily. Uh, you sure did, buddy. Twice, actually. So that's fun. Twice. One one of them was an equipment related <laughs> issue, and so we don't talk about it anymore. Conversely, I had a lot of faith in our team, <laughs> and every single person had an incident until I got in the car and my power went out. And it was 3.30 in the morning. Sure was. And I texted Tom, and I was like, hey, buddy, this pile of junk is... (laughs) (laughs) It has gone through Vietnam and back, and I just disconnected. So if you want to wake up early to drive at 3.30 in the morning, go ahead. If not, uh, that's your call. And So I'll be honest. I woke up to this text message at about 3.45 in the morning, having had a fair few margaritas... uh, (laughs) Not so long ago, um, but I dragged myself out of bed. I logged into the session to find the car sitting in the pit lane, not looking its finest. And after a lap of the ring, where I couldn't really turn left or right, which is an issue on a circuit with about 180 corners, yeah. I we I we made the or so I made the team decision to retire the car at that point. Um, For everyone else's sake, we, it's a smart decision that we did that. I. It always hurts me to retire a team entry. It, it's never a great feeling. No. But it's we were in a position where we weren't going to 
we weren't going to advance significantly uh, without severe attrition ahead of us and the other teams behind us had already dropped out so there was no real benefit to us competing anymore we don't want to spin out on the Dottinger and you know take out Williams esports no that would never happen never happen never anyway and we're sorry if you guys are listening <laughs> Um, um, overall, so that's what, overall is a success. Yeah. Overall, is good. We had a, we had a car win. One of our entries win it split in X class, and that's a great thing. And it proves that we're still making an effort on the virtual side, even as our real life efforts increase in intensity. Which is a very neat segue to the next item. And we're going to wrap up this. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I'm getting better. Good. At this, yeah, right? that was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, champ car. Woo. We sp- woo. Everyone, woo! There you go. Um, we're back. Um, we introduced Jump Car Series last week, or last podcast episode, um, and we are now getting ready for our first real life entry of the year, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Which, for those of you not in the states, is the weekend of the twenty fifth, twenty sixth of May. So, just a week and a half away. Very close. Damn, we that's be... really close. <laughs> it's really close. Isn't it? <laughs> um, we will be at Watkins Glen International, which is upstate New York, my home state in America. Uh, not far from, well, still a four hour drive from New York City, but uh, comparatively not far. Beautiful venue, and we will have our little Miata out for the first time this season. It and it's undergone some changes. Really it's hit new me. Heart. Oh, yeah, it has a new engine. Yeah, we have a new engine. Um, so. Uh, we bought the car when it was uh, advertised with a 1.6 engine which is the, the the base level spec NA motor and it was a great motor it did um, what, five endurance races four four endurance races four. Um, and was consistently a very very strong engine um, and we were happy with it but there was always a sense that it was lacking a little bit of power particularly when we were racing against the other Miatas with 1.8 engines and with the BMW 3 Series is on our class with the 1.8s and the Acuras with the same. Mm-hmm. So, over the winter, we came across a guy on a forum who was selling a nice 1.8, a relatively low mileage VVT engine, and we decided let's go for it. So, the team, and when I say the team, I mean Alex predominantly with his uh, with his dad Jim and with Michael, our producer, also helping out. He's, I know he's been heavily involved in the work that enrichment of the HJTC the past couple of months. Have been working away, beaverish, beavering away to uh, get the engine in the car, and it's almost it's almost ready. <laughs> you don't got much <laughs> time. Half out. We don't have much time. Uh, we have uh, the exhaust to put on it. We've got. A dyno test scheduled uh, early next week, and then it'll be on the trailer and off to the track. And I'm going to be there. Force is going to be there. Cough's going to be there. I'm so and excited. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm really looking forward to it. It really hit me when today we're asking about travel arrangements. I think you were asking Tom, and I was like, oh, was. oh shit, it's coming up like really quick where I have to actually talk to people about, you know, are we going to ride together? What are we going to take? All of that stuff. And yeah, that's when I was like, dang, I, that gets me excited to know that it's just right around the corner. Yep. And it's a great venue as well. I mean, it was the first time I'd been there last year when we did the same race uh, this time last year. Yeah. And I really loved it. It's, it's a nice time of year. Upstate New York, not too hot. Yeah. 
set in these rolling hills and it's just a beautiful venue and you're there and you're hanging out with your friends and we're going to go motor racing. I remember many parts of it. Several parts of it. There was many times that I was driving through the woods and didn't... I didn't think anything was going to be there. Just, you're in the middle of the woods and then you come across these giant grandstands and it just... That's an impression that will stick with me for a long time. And then going inside the track and walking through the infield as, you know, cars are racing and practicing because it was... I guess it was Saturday, so yeah, it was racing. And just being able to experience the entirety of it, going to the garages was really cool, seeing all the people work on the cars. There was a lot of special moments that like will stand out for more than just, hey, this is pretty cool, but it will actually make a lasting impression. Yeah. I was geeking out just because I'd watched so many races on TV at Watkins Glen and then to stand in the garage and stand on pit lane and all that stuff. It's uh, pretty surreal. It's a great track. It's beautiful. It's a great place to watch a race and a um, good place to hang out with your buddies and have a weekend of racing. As we will be doing. I'm looking forward to it tremendously. So with the new car, the new engine, it's the same car, but it's, it's essentially been rebuilt, let's be honest. It's got a lot of improvements. Engine. Safety improvements, improvements, engine, radio, all kinds of nice upgrades. So. Yep. And it's very much going to be a... Uh, a betting in weekend we're not necessarily going to be uh, pushing and challenging for anything uh, at the top of the field but it's going to be a beautiful weekend yeah get it ready for the uh, I think the the VIR race is the one that everyone really that's that's focus- our focus yeah I season. think that's the one that everyone on the team really focuses on and, and wants to do well at and, um, so you know good race at Watkins Glen it's a good track to do so too um, it's pretty smooth with the repave so it's a good track to kind of work your way into the new stuff. Yeah, and we're really looking forward to it. And you, fellow listeners, our loyal uh, army of <laughs> listeners, I'm going to assume that you exist. If you're still wa- listening. If, if you're still listening at this point. Um, <laughs> frankly, I know that the, uh, the main seller's already left. Um, but if you want to follow us along, you can. We have, uh, we're going to have in-car streaming on the Saturday and Sunday of the race. Uh, live for seven hours on our YouTube channel. That's uh, youtube.com slash C slash hugeass, H-U-G-H-J-A-S-S. And also we're posting updates on our social media, Twitter and Instagram. Um, the handle for that is HJ Motorsport 337 I believe. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> I think we're all aligned. We're all in the social media world. I leave that to other people because I don't really understand much of it, but that's fine. Yep. Um, and we'll be we'll be posting our updates there, and you can follow along, leave us some feedback, and hopefully we can try and get you a little bit involved and a little bit excited to be part of our journey in this new race in twenty nineteen. That includes our next podcast, and it includes our next podcast. Um, so yeah, our next episode will be post Watkins Glen. We'll have all the news and debrief from the weekend, and uh, we'll see how everyone got on. Hopefully, there's not too much drama to report hopefully hopefully it's a it's a a boring episode where we just say everything went to plan (laughs) nothing went wrong (laughs) so there you go tune in in next time for a boring episode yeah that's exactly what we want to tell our our listeners (laughs) so thank you all for joining us uh, once again this episode 3 of the huge ass paddock pass 
we have our email address if you ever need to leave us some feedback, which is hjmpodcast at gmail.com. That's hjmpodcast at gmail.com. Um, thank you for listening once again. I've been Tom Ellison. With me have been Andrew Fawcett. Good night. And Alex Coffin. Sleep tight. <laughs> pressing the buttons. <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> uh, pressing the buttons is always in the booth. Our producer, Michael Derby, uh, keeping us on the straight and narrow. And we really appreciate all he does. But thank you all. Speak to you after the Glen.